I would like you to picture it. I am in sixth grade, and I am starting off playing the saxophone. So little version of me decides he is going to be musical, he's going to pick an instrument, and he picks the saxophone. And for three years, little Adam is practicing and learning scales and keeping people up at night when they are trying to sleep. And I am learning as much as I possibly can. And we finally make it to eighth grade because, you know, this is the zenith of your musical career. If you've started off in middle school and sixth grade, then you know when you make it to eighth grade, this is the moment. This is the moment to shine. I finally made first chair. I am at the top of the apex of the musical universe at this point. And we finally have this concert, this concert that I'm going to play at. And the whole band, uh, the middle school band is going to play in front of our peers. So not just the parents, because I don't know about you, but the parents are kind of like, they're nice. These are nice people. They're like, oh, look, oh, isn't that nice? It was all like squeaking out of tune. They're like, oh, but you know, I made you. So I'm proud of anything you do, right? Your peers, not so much. It's, it just doesn't work that way. These are your friends and they are judging you all the time. And, and they don't want to be sitting there listening to all this music. They're glad they're not in class, but they're a little bitter. And so we have in the gymnasium, the entire school assembled, sitting in the rafters. And there I am, my little eighth grade self playing this song. And this is the final year of middle school. And we get down to the final note of the song. And it was like a big finish. Have you ever heard one of these? That's just like amazing. I mean, it's like you expect that note to cut off and you hear it ringing throughout your lifetime. Decades later, you can recall the sound of the note, right? And so we get to this very last note that we're b- about to play. And I thought, okay, this, this is my moment. Like I have been, I was born in 1976 for this moment, right? here to play this note. And so I just let it rip. I mean, everything my little body would put into this note, I put into this note. And then the unforeseen happened. I don't know if you know much about a saxophone, but there's a thing called a squeak that can happen. This was the squeak heard around the world. This was a squeak to end all squeaks. It was so high pitched that dogs were running at the middle school. I squeaked so loud that I split my reed from one end to the other and my tongue got stuck in the reed. I mean, this was like an epic fail. This was unbelievable. And it was the last note. It was the thing that we left the entire school with. And as I let this squawk release from my instrument, my buddy sitting next to me, who has no filter at all, says everything he's thinking in just the moment. After the the squeak was rattling around and echoing inside, all I could hear was my buddy go, you had to go for it, didn't (laughs) you? No mercy at all. It was like the epic fail. And I did not get any mercy from my friend. Now, obviously, that is a ridiculous example of an epic fail. But uh, at the time, how many of you know, at the time you're going through something like that, it feels like a big deal. I mean, it feels really big when you're in middle school, like that's, that's the moment, right? Then you get a little bit older, maybe, maybe you get your license and I don't know, you get in a fender bender or car wreck and it just seems like the world is just shutting down. You get a little bit older and maybe you get into a relationship and then that relationship goes south. And you're like, this is the end. This is, this, is, this is an epic fail. Maybe some of us go through a time of a bankruptcy or there's something at school and we don't get the promotion or whatever it is. And we just have these things in our lives that seem so devastating. They just seem like everything is over, like this is the end of it all. Now, for my middle school self, it felt like that playing that note, squeaking, and I still, I still remember my tongue getting stuck in the reed. It was unbelievable. Like physics were involved in this situation, right? 
But then I look through my life and I see that there are these times that I have had major absolute failures where I have just, I mean, driven it into the ground. Like I'm not just up on the side of the curb, but I'm just saying, you know, like hit a tree, you know, just a smack and we are done. And I am left trying to figure out what do I do with all these pieces? How, how do I handle this when I have a situation in which it just seems like an epic fail? And the question that I bring this morning is, do we know, do all of us, do we know the steps to surviving an epic fail? How do you actually move through that? It's much easier if you have somebody who's been there before to walk with you through that situation. And the good news this morning is that we absolutely do have some insight from the scriptures on how do we handle these things when we're going through them. Now, if you're not currently going through something, I guarantee just give you a little time and something. Now, that sounds so pessimistic, doesn't it? It's like, oh, what are you, are you prophesying failure? No, here's what I'm saying. I'm saying in the trajectory of our spiritual lives. I know for certain that we're going to make mistakes and we are going to lose it and we're going to run it off the road. I know that's going to happen. The point this morning is it doesn't have to be the end of all that. It doesn't have to get the last word. And that's what this morning is all about. So we are in a series called Dominion. And we've been talking about reclaiming our uh, calling to rule on earth as it is in heaven. There's a word dominion that comes in the scriptures in Genesis chapter one. God creates people, says, be fruitful and multiply. This very first instruction, like I've been saying every week, we've done really well at that one. That one, well, okay, good. You be fruitful and multiply, got it down. We can do that. The second part though, is God says, and have dominion, have rule, have reign over the world. And so we've been, we've been unpacking that idea. What does that mean for us to reign in life? What does it mean for us to have dominion, to have influence over what's going on in our world? And we started off with the idea that we were actually, we were created to rule. We were made to rule. We were made to have influence, to not allow our, the world systems, the economy, politics, whatever's going on to rule us, but we were created to rule those things. And that brings up this idea though, but here's the problem. Your influence can be lost. You can lose it. I can lose it. We can lose the domain that we've been given to rule. And the question is, when we lose it, how does it feel? And here's the thing. It feels like losing at life. It feels like if I've made a mistake in this one area, if I've not kept my dominion in this one area, then it feels like all of life is just over. It's like I've, I've failed at everything. And that's not actually a good place for us to stay Here's the thing. Here's the thing that we have to know is if you've ever lost dominion, you are not alone because we all, every human being does this. We said last week, we were reading through some, the story about Adam and Eve and we asked the question, you know, some people ask, did this actually happen in history? Did it not actually happen in history? We have people on these rows sitting next to each other who believe different things about that. But what we can agree on is not just arguing over, did it happen? But does it happen? Does this happen all the time? The question is, or the answer is absolutely. This happens all the time. You are not alone. This is the human condition. And so, thankfully, the scriptures tell us what happens when we lose dominion. How are we going to handle this? What are we going to do? If there's something in your life that has been difficult for you to get through, maybe it happened a long time in the past, but it's still there. How do we move past that? That's what this morning is about. You've come to the right place. And if you would like to follow along in the scriptures, 
uh, we have ushers that would love to assist you. You can just raise your hand and we will pass out some Bibles. We are going to be using the Bibles that we're passing out are the uh, English Standard Version. And we like it because it's super literal. And it just helps us when we get knee deep in the Greek and Hebrew. Uh, just kind of helps us out with that. So that's what we like to do. We are going to be on uh, Genesis chapter 3. So this, if you're new to the Bible, it's at the very beginning. It's that first uh, book that you have there, and it's going to start on page number three. So we're very early in the story here. And we are going to read what is uh, historically referred to as the curse. Last week, we looked at this idea of the fall. We looked at the idea of, of messing up. And now we're going to look at this idea of the curse, which sounds super positive, doesn't it? I mean, you came here. I hope he talks about curses. That's what I need to lift my spirits. But trust me, stay with me. If you stay with me, we're, we're going to see something beautiful comes out of this. So what has happened so far in this story? Adam and Eve were placed in a garden, so the story goes. They were given a domain, and they were told to rule and reign in that area. But they messed up. And together they lost that domain. And what happened was there was a temptation that came. Uh, uh, they forgot that they were created in God's image. They were promised they could be like God, but they already were like God, already created in God's image. And so they were tempted and they lost their domain. And here is what is happening. Now we're picking up the story again about what happens after that failure that they had. And we'll read uh, verses 14 and 15 here. Here's what it says. The Lord God said to the serpent, and the serpent was the one who brought the temptation. Because you have done this, cursed are you above all the livestock and above all beasts of the field. On your belly shall you go, and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. Now, this passage tells us uh, supposedly the reason why snakes are on the ground and that they are eating dust. Now, remember, it's important to remember that human beings were made of dust. And so what you have here is this thing that brings temptation is trying to eat our humanity. This thing that the thing that we're made of, we're made of dust and we're breathed in with the breath of life. And this serpent is said to go. The thing that causes temptation goes along on its belly and it's, it's eating that dust. It's trying, it's trying to constantly get us. And the curse here is that there will be enmity. There will be enmity between your offspring and the woman's offspring. And that's important because our first command was to be fruitful and multiply. So what you see going forward here is this problem of unity, that when we lose our dominion, the very first thing that happens in this situation is it becomes very difficult to have unity. To unifying people when you, when you have lost, when there's been an epic failure and you've lost your domain, you have lost your influence. The one thing that's going to happen immediately is there's going to be a breakup of unity. It's just really losing dominion makes it difficult to unify people. So how do we, how do we do this? What, how do we, um, remember this? Well, for those of us who believe that this story is a literal uh, representation of history, we would say, well, the snake, uh, I suppose, had legs and then it didn't have legs and it's crawling. And for those of us who don't see this story as literal history, but is trying to show us something, how might we interpret it? Well, we could say that the, the people who wrote this story down, every time they saw a snake, they were reminded 
They were, it, was, it was something to draw their attention back to say this thing that is uh, slithering and it can bruise our heels, it can come after us, is a reminder that there is enmity in creation, that there is a, there is a conflict involved. And so that reminds us, every time I see that animal, it reminds us that when I start to lose my dominion, I am going to cause a fracturing of the people around me. How many of you, you don't have to raise your hands, but how many of you have experienced this? You have failed. You have let it go. Something has happened. And all of a sudden, all the people that you were connected to, all of a sudden now there's something, there's something in between. And it's just difficult. What can happen is it can make us factionalize and fractionalize. We can, get, we can try to get these people who are on our side and those people over there are on their side. Have, do, you, do you know what I'm trying to say here? This is a, an outcome of when we lose our dominion. When we have our influence and we're doing what we're supposed to be doing, then the sign of that is uni- unity will be there. You would be able to unify. And it's easier for us to come together as a family. But when we lose our dominion, this becomes very difficult. And this is the first lesson of losing that dominion. The second one comes in Genesis 3.16. And it says this, To the woman he said, I will surely multiply your pain in childbearing. In pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be for your husband, and he shall rule over you. Now, what's important about this particular passage, I just want to, I just always need to point out is if there is a, a gender difference in authority and power that comes out of this passage, note that it's a result of sin. So when people say, when people say, well, well, you know, the men should be ruling the women. I always say, okay, where do you get that? And I said, ah, Genesis chapter three sixteen. I said, yes, that's a part of the curse. That's a good gender inequality is a part of losing our dominion. Does everyone understand? Really, I want to make this like as super clear as we can get that, that gender inequality comes out of this problem coming from our errors, not the way it was intended to be. So what happened? How do you do that? So when you look around and you see gender inequality, you're, rem- you're reminded somebody's losing their dominion. Somebody doesn't have their dominion because they're being ruled over, which is part of the curse which this is what we're trying to overcome, folks. We're trying to overcome the disunity. We're trying to overcome the gender inequality. And then it says, you shall have pain in childbirth. So again, those of us who take this story more literally, we might say, okay, that's a part of the curse that there would be such pain. Those of us who don't interpret that story quite as literally might say, oh, again, it's a reminder. When we see women in childbirth and there is great pain, what are we reminded of? We're reminded that when we lose our dominion and influence, losing dominion makes it difficult to create. There is now pain involved. There is struggle. There are tears. There is blood. It is difficult to create when we lose our dominion. But when we keep our dominion and we don't allow it to go, then we're able to say then creation and creativity begins to flow more easily in our lives. If you are having a difficult time creating, if you're having a difficult time making things happen and pulling things together, then could it be that there's some failure back there that needs to be dealt with and brought into a right place? Then if we can do that, we can move forward and now we can begin creating. So the first problem is, When we lose our dominion, it's difficult to unify. It's difficult to have unity. The second is when we lose our dominion, it's difficult for us to be creative and to move forward. And then finally, we get this last one in Genesis 3, 17 through 19. It says this, 
And to Adam he said, Because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread, till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. And that last line, those of you who were able to make it out on Ash Wednesday, is what we say over the people who are receiving the ashes. Dust you are, and to dust you will return. And this is where the line comes from. Now, what is, what is the curse here? It says, you shall not eat of it, right? Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain, you shall eat of it all the days of your life. The whole point of having domain for Adam, he was put inside the garden. That was his dominion. That was his domain is he was able to tend that and work very easily with it. But now we see part of the curse is that domain is stripped away and it's very difficult to find a profit. It's very difficult when we lose our domain, it's, it's difficult to profit, to have things actually grow for us to work. When, when we want to see things uh, burgeon in our life, when we want to see there to be that creativity pay off and we are able to reap something from that. You are working so hard in your life. I know you. I've talked to you. I've, I've seen how hard you're working. And you want to see something come of that work. You want to see some profit from it. And the question is, if we are not seeing profit, is there somewhere in our lives that is holding us back? Is there something that's undealt with that we can deal with, that we can bring to the forefront and bring it out into the light and work with it so that we can begin to profit? We can be more naturally in the domain that we're called to be in. Now, whew, that's all been really sort of a downer. I mean, right? It's all a cursed are you, cursed this, cursed that. You're like, man, is this, this is sort of unrelenting. Is there anything else? And the good news is absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, one of the things that I have learned over the years with reading the scriptures, anytime I run into something that's difficult or something I don't like, by the way, if you don't find anything you don't like on script in the scriptures, you're not paying attention right? It's not there. It's, it's not there to agree with us. It's there to shape us, to mold us. It's there to rub against an iron sharpening iron. It is there to sharpen us. And when I run into something that I don't like, my rule is I just keep reading. I just keep reading. That's not the end of the story. Until you make it all the way through to the end and you've got a city coming down with the gates always open, Right? And gates were meant to keep people out, not to keep them in. Till we get to a city where the gates are always open and everyone's invited, then i got to keep reading. And that's what we get in the very next passage. Now, listen, this is amazing. Verses 20 through 24. The man called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all the living. Let's just pause there. After all this cursing that goes on, after all the blame game that we talked about last week with everybody blaming everybody else, why, Adam, why did you eat? Well, this woman that you gave me, she's the one, right? And he could have said at this point, after all these curses come down, he could have called her a different name. You ever called your loved one or your spouse or your friend a different name? You ever made one up? You ever had something in your head that you, uh, yes, I can see it in your eyes. You've had something that you haven't said out loud. Some of you have actually said it out loud. You've had something 
something that you've want to call to after all of this, Adam looks at her and calls her the word Eve means life. Adam recognizes that all the living will come for her. That all the life that is going to come in the world will come through her. Everyone who comes after will have been born from somebody who was born from Eve. And he looks at her and says, this in front of me is life. After all this cursing that has gone on, he's able to see and call out what she is and who she is and what it means. When you've gone through a failure... You need somebody in your life who can look deeply into you, into your eyes, and call out what is good, who can see where you have been and what you've overcome, and they can look at you and see the good and be able to say it out because they can see it. How many of you know you see good things all the time, but it takes that person who is able to stop and look you in the eye and then use their mouth and call it out and say, I see the good in you. I see what you've done. I see what God has placed in you. Please don't allow the curses in your life to overcome you because the voice of the Holy Spirit wants you to know that you are loved. You have mercy coming to you. Grace is stronger than the problem. There is no curse that can overcome you. Nobody's words get the last words over you, only God's, and God is love. So when you are hearing all that stuff come from you, you need an Adam in your life to call you an Eve, to show you where the life is in you. That's what this place can be. This church, this congregation can be a place that calls out life in the people who come in this room because the world has chewed them up and spit them out. The economic system has put them on the margins. The political system has left them on the sides. But when they come in here, they can be said, you are alive and I see the life in you. Could we have a congregation that does that? And could we do that for each other? This is the promise of this passage. Okay, that was verse 20. (laughs) Sorry about that. All right, verse 20. The man called his wife Eve because she was the mother of all the living. And the Lord God made for Adam and for his wife garments of skins and clothed them. And God took care of them. God gave them provisions. After all the cursing, after all the cursing that goes on, is there provision? Does God leave you alone? Do you have to do it all yourself? Absolutely not. The provision comes from the same God who announced this is what happens when we fail. This is what happens when there is a loss of dominion. This is what happens when we have a loss of influence is the same God that will clothe you and give you resources on the next part of your journey. That's what God is like. Verse 22, then the Lord God said, behold, the man has become like one of us, knowing good and evil. Now, lest he reach out his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore, the Lord God sent him out from the garden of Eden to work the ground from which he was taken. What is that? Well, it seems to be in the story that the Adam and Eve could have in this state of having this curse uh, put over them and the curse not having been dealt with, that they could try to go after immortality. And basically the idea is, are we going to live forever in this cursed state? Is that the deal? Is that what we want to do is live forever like this to live with just the curse hanging over us or Or is there something else? Is the story anticipating these curses being dealt with as we go, and we don't want to get locked in anywhere? Have you ever gotten locked in somewhere spiritually? 
And you're just like, no, I've made it. I've arrived. This is it. I finally know everything I need to know about God. And you try to get locked in right here. And, and this, this story is saying, yes, we don't want to get locked in, you know, like immortalize this moment in time. Don't even if so, so it's good for them at this point, but they don't want to get locked in here at this point. So that's why that happened. And then verse 24 says, he drove out the man and at the east of the garden of Eden, he placed the cherubim and a flaming sword that turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life. And I don't know about you, but I can't say how many times in my life I have tried to go backwards to a previous time in my spiritual life. I have had times of of massive, I would just say like uh, spiritual growth happening at different times. Maybe when I was a teenager and going to church camp or I've had youth conventions or I've been that moment that I got called into ministry or whatever it is, you've had times in your life. You just feel like you are robustly experiencing God's presence. And when you go through a battle or a hard time or an epic fail, or you lose your influence, the temptation is to just run backwards, to run back to the garden where it's safe, to get those old cassette tapes out and listen to that music from years ago. Does anybody know what a cassette tape is? I sometimes, sometimes my students over at OSU don't know what a cassette tape is, right? And you go backwards to that stuff. And God, and, and, and here's the deal. If you've ever tried to do that, it feels good for a minute. It feels good to remember. Those tunes are great, but then there's just kind of an emptiness to it. It's never where you're supposed to be. Why? Because there's an angel with a flaming sword standing in front of you, making sure that you're like not going backwards. Why? You need to go forwards. Forward. The angel is standing there. Now, do I actually think that there's an angel? I don't know, but I know that the story is telling me that God doesn't want them to go backwards, and I believe God doesn't want us to go backwards. Where are you tempted to go backwards to? It's not backwards. It's forward. There's work to be done outside of that garden. My dominion has changed. It used to be the garden, and now I'm out east of Eden. That sounds terrible. Yeah, except that's where the rest of the story unfolds. If I don't get onto my work, the rest of the story can't unfold. Then we can't have all the movement forward that we're going to get. Where you try to run back to? That's not the place for you. It's not the place for you. Forward is the place for you. If you've had that epic fail, if you've lost that thing, if you've lost dominion, that's the place to go. It's forward. We could say it this way. Beginning. Losing dom- dominion is the beginning, not the end of the story. It's not the end. The epic fail is not the end. The loss of dominion is not the end. It's just the beginning of the story. If you have done something that you're ashamed of that you don't want, is there's that, that failure in your life, that thing does not, does not get the last word over your life. It is just the beginning and not the end. The rest of the Bible, we're only three chapters in, folks. There's a whole lot more to come, and it's a wonderful, beautiful, bloody, difficult story that comes afterwards. But we have to move forward because this is simply the beginning. So in your life, are you in need of a beginning Are you in need of a place to say, I need to step forward with that thing, that thing that's been chasing me for years that I've been trying to get rid of, that thing that I can't just let go? Are you in need of a beginning? Are you needing someone to look at you and say life? Are you needing someone to look at you and recognize the good that is in you that God has placed there? Are you needing someone to call you out for who you really are? Do you need a cherubim? Do you need a flaming sword? Like, are you running backwards? Is it, is it, we just need a big, like, hand, like, palm out saying, please don't go back there, go forward. 
Go forward, move, move forward. This church is called Move United Church. It's not sit on your rear end, United Church. It's, it's move forward. And I believe that that is, that is available for all of us this morning, no matter what we're dealing with. So let's see our falls as beginnings, not endings. This, this passage is called the fall. I mean, it's like, it's the big one, right? It's the one that kicks off everything. But how many of you know, we all have a fall. We all have something that we've lost, that we've messed up, that we have been given dominion and influence, and we have let it rot. We have not taken care of it. We've given into the temptation. And that does not have to be our ending. It's simply the beginning. The fall is not the end. It's the beginning. If we do not, if we do not see our falls as beginnings, we will live as if our life, our story is already over. And I can't tell you how many people I've run into. I, and it doesn't matter with age. It, age does not matter. I have seen them and I've talked to them and they just appear to me as if their story is already over. They've gotten locked in somewhere and that's it. And they're done. And I, I see this with people who are in their twenties and I see this with people who are in their sixties and everybody in between. I just see it all the time. That we just live as this, like we just click and you know what? I'm going to coast from here on out. I'm just going to let it roll. And I don't like it when anybody pokes me at all. These are people who don't like to be poked, by the way. They don't, they don't, like, to, they don't like sermons like this. They don't like talks like this that invite us to see that there could be something else on the other side because they're just kind of comfortable. They've just given in to where they are. And this sort of stuff just kind of, ah, I don't need that talk, right? And then we're invited We're invited to see this. But what if we do? What if we begin to see our falls as beginnings? What happens? We can begin again, and we can find a new realm of influence. And it might not be the one that we used to have, right? Adam and Eve didn't get the garden. They got the east of Eden. They went out. But how many of you know they go out, and then the people start growing, and there's a promised land, and the story continues? It might not be the same realm of dominion. It might be a new one but that's a new beginning for you. This, this is the promise of the scriptures that we have. So the big idea for our, our morning, this is the kind of where we land, is that failure is final only if we give up. Failure is final only if we give up. That's the only thing that can make it final, is if we rest in that place and decide not to move forward. If we try to get around the flaming sword angel, which I would just like to think of, that could be like an awesome Christian video game. You know, there's like a whole sub market, like a niche market for that kind of thing. We could just totally make that, you know, trying to get back into the garden, you know, the sword comes. But, you know, like we're laughing about that. But how many of us do that? We're trying to go back. We're trying to go back. The sword says, no, 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 no. There's something beautiful for you out there. It's difficult. It's hard. There's pain. There's enmity. There's all that stuff. But guess what? You're bigger than that. Why? Because you are life. You've got the life of God in you. That's why. And anywhere you're taking God's spirit, that's all you need. That's all you need. That is all you need. You're alive. The spirit of God, the breath of life is in you. And as I tell anybody, as long as you're still breathing, more is right with this situation than's wrong with it. I have told that to so many people. As long as you're still breathing, more is right about this situation that's wrong with it. You stop breathing, I can no longer help you. And you can no longer help yourself. Something else is happening, we'll all figure out what that is eventually. But right now, you're still breathing, more is right with this situation than's wrong with it. 
So here's our declaration for this morning. This is what we like to say. If you're, if you're new with us, this is what we like to say out loud. We actually say these things together. And people come to me and say, I don't know if I believe that. And I tell them, I don't know if I believe it either. But that's why I say it out loud. Because I'm more likely to believe something I say than somebody else says. And so here's, here's what we're going to announce together. I'll read it and then we'll read it together in a moment. It says, I was made to rule. But throughout life, I have fallen into error. I now see that my failure is a chance to begin again. And so I invite God's forgiveness to restore my life. I believe that failure is only final if I give up. Amen. This is what we're going to say together. This is what we're going to declare. So let's say this as if we actually thought, as we actually believed down in our bones, that this, could, we, this is possible. This is possible. Let's say it together. I was made to rule, but throughout life I have fallen into error. I now see that my failure is a chance to begin again. And so I invite God's forgiveness to restore my life. I believe that failure is only final if I give up. Amen. Let's pray. God, who is love, we thank you so much for this story. It is a gift and we receive it. Lord, we ask that your spirit would begin to work on us that we would open up those places that we have been hiding from others, that we have been hiding perhaps even from ourselves. And we invite you into this space of humility, not humiliation, Lord. You never humiliate us. There's no condemnation in you. But this opening up and being vulnerable, that's the place where you can do your work. Lord, we admit that we have, we have not been a place and not been a people that has always called out life. Lord, we admit that we have, we have tried in the past to return to places that you have moved us along from those places. Lord, we, we admit that we have lost it and we have failed epically, but we recognize that stronger than our, our failure is your love for us. And so we pray in this moment that your spirit would speak to us directly, reminding us that we are alive, that we are life, that there is more to come from us. This game isn't over. And as long as we're breathing, there's more right with the situation that's wrong with it. Lord, I pray that we would not just skip past the next few moments, but that we would actually open our lives to this idea and let it move from our head and just our thoughts down into our hearts where the real work is getting done, Lord. We thank you for it. In your name we pray. Amen. In order to experience this time together and to commemorate what it is that we do here and what it means that failure is not the end, we are going to invite everyone who's in the room to participate in a meal of communion. And the way uh, that we do this uh, meal of communion is that everyone's, everyone's free to participate. The, the table that we have here looks like a small one, but it's actually the largest table in the world because there's a seat for absolutely everybody. Nobody is kept out. Jesus ate with those who betrayed him, who denied him, and who abandoned him. And we simply eat with whoever Jesus eats with because I know that in my life, I have been in those categories. So we invite everyone to the table. To make sure everyone can eat together, the, the cup is non-alcoholic and the bread is gluten-free. And in just a moment, an usher is going to dismiss your aisle. 
Uh, if you want to participate, feel free to come down. You'll take the piece of bread, dip it, just the edge of it in the cup, and you can eat right away, and you can return to your seat and enjoy the music as, that is being played. And I would just ask you, as you come down for this meal, I know we can do it every week, and it kind of it's the ritual that we do. And rituals are good. Rituals are good. But there are some times where we need to inhabit the ritual to be embodied in this moment. Now, how is this? This looked like a failure. Jesus going to the cross looked like a failure. I mean, he was supposed to bring the political revolution. The Messiah is the one who overthrows Rome and kicks out the occupiers. And Jesus goes up against them and uh, no, not so much. He loses. This seems like a failure. It says in verse uh, 23 of 1 Corinthians 11, for I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed. Now his own people betray him. How's that not a failure? He took bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way also, he took the cup after supper saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. You proclaim the thing that looks like a failure. You proclaim the thing that everybody would chalk up to this not being okay. And yet that failure, that, that inability to overcome the empire was just the start. It was just the beginning. And Jesus is showing us what it's like to go up and everybody has this expectation for you and you don't live up to it. Is there life? Is there resurrection? Is there newness after that? And the answer is absolutely yes. And that's what this communion meal is all about, that we take this into ourselves that this is our food, this is our drink, this is our sustenance in life. This is where we find what we need. So if you're serving and are playing, if you would come down, and I will pray for our meal together, and then the ushers will dismiss your aisles, and you'll be free to come down and to participate. Let's pray. God, who is love, we thank you for this communion meal. We look forward to this every week. We look forward to this moment where we anticipate your real presence will be met here in this bread and this cup. We ask for your blessing on these elements, that as we eat, we do remember your death. We remember that everybody had an expectation of you that you did not live up to, and yet it was just the beginning of a good thing. It was just the beginning of resurrection. It was just the beginning of new life. It was just the beginning of a revolution that would change this world. And so we pray, Lord, as we eat this meal that we would call this to mind, we would remember it just like you told us to do, and we would experience, we would experience your Holy Spirit in our midst, reminding us that you have called us to great things. And that calling has not gone away. We thank you for it. In your name we pray. Amen. I just want to take a moment, and if anybody... Um, would like prayer because there is, there is something that you are having a difficult time getting past, um, that there's, there's a failure that's sort of, it's sort of hanging out. It's become like a buddy. It's become, it just feels so comfortable for that thing to be there. It's, it's difficult to move forward with it. And I just, I do have the sense that that maybe there's some of us in the room and we're just struggling with that. So on the point here this morning, I'm, I'm not going to call anybody out or anything like that, but I just want to know, I, I just, I want you to know that I get the sense that, that the Holy spirit is wanting to minister for that, that that thing that it's sort of like, I don't know. It's almost like, do you know, like when a little kid takes a piggyback ride and it's almost like something happened in, in your past when you were a certain age and that age, 
that age just kind of went up on your back like and it's been piggybacking on you and you have just been tired you are like man that's great but i just would like to let that go can you sit down and can we move move beyond that so i just want to i want to pray into that for just a moment if that's if that's you this prayer is for you so let's let's pray would we can we all pray together in this room god who is love we thank you uh, that we are able to set things down that don't belong to us. And we have an absolute certainty that you will take care of those things, Lord, that they're not going to just be left behind. And I, Lord, I'm trying to, trying to hear you clearly and, and try to pray correctly because I, I just sense that there is, there are some folks in here that are carrying this stuff around. But the problem is it's screaming at them. Like, if you just say, if you set me down, if you're not concerned about me all the time, then something bad's going to happen. Lord, so I pray that your voice would come in and remind us that we do not have to worry like that. Lord, that that's not for us to worry about. You, you told us that worrying doesn't actually solve the problem. It only makes us feel like we're important. And so, Lord, if, if we're worrying about something or if we're carrying something, some of us are, uh, we've been carrying that thing for so long that our muscles are sort of gripped in that spot. And we don't even know if we can move. Our mobility has been limited because of that. So I pray, Lord, that you would begin to break that up so that we can set the thing down and it can be taken care of. And that thing from our past, perhaps that our, our own selves at that particular age, Lord, needs to hear from you that you will heal and you will take care of that thing, Lord that we don't have to carry it around any longer. So I, I, I just ask that there would be a release of freedom in the room, that there would be a freeing, Lord, that there would be a lightness. God, I pray that that would begin to minister to each one of us uh, with whatever that we're dealing with this morning. And Lord, I'm going, to, I'm going to thank you for that. I'm going to say thank you. And when we receive what you're doing, we receive the healing that's coming to us, Lord. We thank you. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for participating this morning. Thank you for being in this place, singing together, worshiping together, having this communion meal together, and being all in this one place together. It is so important for us to do this. And now... Uh, for us to learn what is coming up in the coming weeks. We have some opportunities. Uh, Siobhan is going to tell us about them. Thank you. If you're able and you're ready to leave, please stand. (laughs) Move United Church, may you go from this place recognizing that your failures are not final. May you know deep in your bones that God is at work in your life. You are life. May you know, may you know, And may nothing ever shake you from the conviction that God has more for you and there's life for you coming. Peace be with you.